When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, yo, welcome in to the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, the full CHGO White Sox crew, that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. The man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Eckerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I am Sean Anderson, like I said, I think. It's always good to I say your name again. I don't know. Let the people know who you are, Sean. Yeah. At Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox, uh, where I am making a fool of myself. Uh, we are going to be talking about Luis Robert Jr. If he's going to reach the illustrious 500 home run club. Um, and there was a tweet that you shared in our group chat from MLB. And you were like, I don't know if we should bring up the tweet, but I'm going to bring up the tweet. Um, <laughs> and we don't, it, need, it, to, we don't was, need to say where we're stealing our ideas from. Sean. Well, it's not even stealing an idea from. They sparked a conversation. Uh we have to talk, we have to talk every single day. It's sue us. Um, <laughs> but I was offended, uh, shocker, uh, that this graphic didn't include Luis Robert Jr., who I think currently is at seventy four career home runs. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you guys, you know, it's about four hundred and twenty five home runs away from five hundred. Four twenty six. Oh yeah, he said about six. About. Uh, You're the math guy on the show. I, yeah, you know, <laughs> you got 426. You got it exactly. I, I was just like, why wouldn't you put him on this list? You know, I mean, he just had 38 home runs, a, an emerging uh, superstar. I did do the math. He would need to be about 40 to to do that and hit like 38 home runs until he's 40 to do that. So, um yeah, I made a fool of myself. So I just wanted to, no, no, no. you know. I don't think you did make I, a fool of yourself. I think you could did trumpet the, our wins and trumpet our losses. I just think you did math incorrectly. Because if you break down 426 divided by 15 years, which is his 40-year-old birthday, which I think this year is his 26th year um, coming up. So he would only need about 29 home runs per year, averaging 29 home runs per year to hit the 500 home run mark. He's already got 74 in four seasons and one of them of course was a partial season one of them was his rookie year and so I think that man look at his body you see his body the other day he's doing his Instagram workouts on the on the Instagram or on the treadmill I don't go on Instagram and look at people's bodies hey man I don't know what you're doing if you can't if you can't appreciate the greatness which is Luis Robert where 
even his body. Yeah, I don't know what you're about, man. I'm in, I'm secure in my manliness, but that's a great looking body. One of these days, I'm going to get one, Sean. <laughs> I agree with you as well. Yes, yeah, one of these look. days. He's a handsome young man. Hey, that means I, body, I, hey, <laughs> body, body by Papa John's. I'm going to say, do I have to start eating <laughs> Papa John's to get that body? I'll do it. Uh, I started getting I'll sacrifice. I started getting distracted, and somehow we're talking about Luis Robert Jr. Uh, his body. Uh, we are being produced by Sarah today. Hello. Uh, make sure you're hitting the thumbs up button. We got eight likes. Uh, thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us. We got Matt from Oaklawn. Uh, we got uh, Pine Tar Keyboard hanging out with us. Uh, White Sox Tom, good to see uh, everyone hanging out. Uh, Pine Tar Keyboard said it, he'll get traded after 2025 and start averaging 50 a year for the rest of his life. Easy money. Um, I guess we'll, we'll get into it. We're going to talk about Luis Robert Jr. possibly joining the 500 Career Home Run Club. Uh, we'll be talking about Dylan Cease reaching 1,000 strikeouts in 2024. It seems likely. It's a record. Um, hmm? I'm, I'm kidding. I know <laughs> oh. it's career. Uh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, career. No, yeah, career. Uh, also, Herb, you might want to check into it. There were those days back in the oh, yeah. late 1800s oh, where the teams only had one pitcher. So <laughs> <laughs> Walter Johnson just mowing everybody down. It says that it was uh, 888. Uh, that was his career high. So our uh, season season high. That's the record. Eight hundred and eighty-eight strikeouts. I absolutely made it up. Oh, because we're I talking mean, about eighty-eight. So. I, I I almost <laughs> believed you. I, I was like, not. well, Christy Mathewson probably got there in some one way or another. I, I no tried. one's hitting home runs. It's all bunts and stuff. Catcher barely has a glove. I tried to say it with with as much uh, belief as possible to fool you. Um, and they threw like five hundred innings too, back in the day. People Here it just, is. Pitcher single season strikeouts. Oh, we were way off. Yeah, there's five thirteen by the famed Matt Kilroy back Ooh, in eighteen eighty six. I remember him. Eighteen eighty six. What's, about the, this, what's the, top, the actual record? Because uh, Nolan the, Ryan. Eight, Nolan Ryan has the uh, tw- post nineteenth century high. Uh, that would be three eighty three in nineteen seventy three. Damn, that's crazy. He struck out struck out three hundred eighty three guys in three hundred twenty six innings. <laughs> How does his arm not fall off? But, for, I mean, that, for, for comparison, the guy right above him on the leaderboard, Guy Hecker, these names from the 1800s, man, <laughs> 385 strikeouts, so only two more than Nolan Ryan had in 1973, almost 100 years earlier in 1884. Guess how many innings it took him to get to 385? You don't have to guess. I'm going to tell you. The answer is 670 <laughs> oh, <yes>. and two-thirds. <laughs> so... Nolan Ryan, you mercy. Br- you bring up like how how did his arm not fall off? Uh, that man at like sixty two was still pumping like eighty five and on first pitches. Um, brings up though, like we're talking about the five hundred career home run club. Oh, we'll talk about Dylan Cease reaching thousand career uh, strikeouts in twenty twenty four, and then the final one is who will have a better rookie year or debut year? Uh, Yoan Moncada in Yoan Moncada's full twenty eighteen or Colson Montgomery's uh, twenty twenty five. It maybe even comes up in 2024, but whatever. That's a different show. Uh, it doesn't seem like Chris Getz is leaning that way. Robert, the thing is he hasn't played a ton, right? Correct. Like this was the first full season we finally got from him and all the guys that are in the 500 career home run club. I mean, like I don't understand how Willie Mays played that many games. I don't understand how Hank Aaron, like every single day, we're out in center field and left field. Like aren't the athletes supposed to be getting better? Because, like, Nolan Ryan, just, like, you know, 383 strikeouts in 1970, and Willie Mays and Aaron uh, Hank, I was going to say uh, Aaron Hank. Uh, it's baseball. I- we've, been it. we've been playing it since the 1800s. I'm sure there has been an Alan Hank in baseball. <laughs> but it does seem like maybe Luis Robert has found something to stay healthy. 
Like, isn't the most important thing that we need to see in 2024, not even like can Luis Robert Jr., as Matt was saying, you know, cut down his strikeout to walk ratio. It's just like, can he play 145 games again? Because when we what we saw in 2021, I mean, he had a, a slugging percentage over 567. Um, he This year, he had a, fi, a slugging percentage of 542. I mean, Matt, I love you. It doesn't matter what his strikeout to walk ratio is if his slugging percentage is 562. Um, no. So, like, <laughs> if he could just go out and play 145 games, I don't think he'll be at 74 career home runs by the end of 2024. Well, that would involve him hitting zero in well, 2024, the, which is rather nice. unlikely. But, uh, nice. no, you're right. I mean, listen, I think the thing that I, that we always bring up is, you know, we spend so much time wondering with young guys who have, who have yet to establish themselves in the major leagues, can they do it? Can they, can they have a full season, an MVP-style season like Luis Robert Jr. had last year, or even an all-star level season, or just be a contributor? Can they do it? Can they do it? And then they finally do it. And immediately the next question is, well, can they do it again? Because that's what you're trying to do. If, if you want to look at the micro, right, the, the game-to-game um, uh, success of a major league player, hitter, pitcher, whatever, it's about consistency, right? Stringing together games of, of, of doing the exact same thing, of replicating your motion if you're a pitcher, you know, being able to uh, go up and have quality at-bats over and over and over again if you're a hitter. Then look at the macro, tie the seasons together. You just talked about it. The all-time greats are the all-time greats because they did it over and over and over again. Their consistency was stretched out over the course of, in the case of those guys, decades of playing in the major leagues. Um, if you shrink it down a little bit to guys who are just trying to, maybe you're Dylan Cease, you're trying to get that big contract, right? Trying to get that big pitching contract. Or, you know, uh, if, if you're a little less established than him, even, you know, you're trying to win yourself a job in a major league rotation. It's about consistency, not just, or not just pitch to pitch, inning to inning, game to game, month to month, season to season. Um, it, that, it really is the name of the game. And, and so there's a reason why when guys have breakout seasons, like Luis Robert Jr. had last year, you, the immediate next question becomes, okay, let's see if he can do it again. Let's make sure that wasn't a fluke. That, let's make sure that wasn't um, you know, just a moment in time. Let's see if he's really solved these things, if he's really grown as a player who can not only get to a certain level but continue to uh, thrive at that level. I mean, I think about when we're talking about Luis Robert is 26 years old or age 26 year season. I think about David Ortiz, who I think is the lowest amount of home runs at age 26, who eventually hit 500 home runs. And that, you know, whatever you need to say about what David Ortiz did in Boston, whatever, that was only 34 home runs per year for those years. I think he retired at his uh, age 40 years. So if David Ortiz can do it, which Hall of Famer, Big Poppy, one of the best. I think Luis Robert is on that track, and he has more home runs than David Ortiz had at that same period. I think David Ortiz at that same period had about 50 or 60. Luis Robert already at 74. And so to play devil's advocate on the other side, Luis Robert's on the White Sox. And as I would be planning and maybe every other team in the American League and National League are planning, I look at that lineup. I say, I'm not letting 88 beat me. Let 74, 10, whoever else beat me. I'm just going to throw him sliders on the outside zone. If he hits a single, God bless. But I'm never throwing him a fastball. I'm not letting that guy beat me on that team because that team is only him for now. And so that could be a thing where Luis Robert 
um, gets his numbers down because everybody's just pitching around him because they don't need to pitch to him because there's really nobody else in that lineup as of now that can hit a lot of home runs to protect him. Well, and I get your point about sliders and I get your point about, you know, maybe not throwing him a fastball, which he had a slugging percentage of 0709 against. Um, decent, decent. And again, his slider against sliders, a whiff rate of 41%, not great. Uh, a K rate of 34.8%, a put away rate of nearly 30%. But when he hits it, yeah. 508 slugging, uh, expecting slugging of 500. Like if he can just hone it in and maybe just lay off those those sliders, maybe he becomes what David Ortiz, again, I, I obviously him and David Ortiz aren't the same players. Uh, he would need to play until he's 40, like David Ortiz, but David Ortiz was a designated hitter, mm-hmm. wasn't playing in the field every day. Luis Robert Jr. is a five-tool player, and that's what makes him so special, is the ability to be the best defender in center field, the most one of the most important outfield position, um, and being able to lead the middle of your lineup. Um, but if he makes that adjustment to sliders, I mean, he's probably the best player, I mean, not named Shohei Otani in the league. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe Acuna, but even Robert's then, a better defender. Even then, I'm like, yeah, uh, Luis Robert. If he he has things that are still wrong with his game, if he tightens those up, he hadn't even hit his prime yet. He's gonna be a monster. He's a monster currently, and has a lot of work to do as far as his swing profile, as far as laying off pitches, knowing who who's on the mound, all those things. He gets an incremental adjustment to just being slightly better. The strikeout, the strikeout rate going from wherever it's at now to 5% lower. Man, the sky's the limit. Yeah, and then uh, Matt saying, uh, you know, bringing up Roberts on pace to strike out and be the career strikeout leader. Great. Um, that's the, well, well, the one thing is just like you bring up him possibly becoming a player like David Ortiz who did reach the 500 career home run uh, club, reached it in his 39th year uh, or 39th uh, year old season. Um just before his 40-year-old season where he had 48 doubles and led the league. Um, like, Robert needs to become more of a vaunted force at the plate. Like, he does need to lay off those sliders to to take that next level. Because I think it is fair if, you know, he does hurt himself in center field, it's very clear, you know, it's very possible that he doesn't even reach 300. Like, I mean, there there is such a range where he's at right now where, you know, he could reach 500 if he stays on that track and uh you know becomes the david ortiz of cuban center fielders um (laughs) or you know he kind of reach has the unfortunate end like most baseball players yeah i mean we've we've got a small sample size right now right and i think certainly the uh, um, the second and third years of his career were, were colored by injuries. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but last year, he stayed healthy almost entirely for the most part before ending the season um, on the injured list after already playing almost 150 games. Um, but, you know, Herb, you brought up the rookie season. It was only 60 games long out of his control. Uh, so certainly if we just take his four years that he's played – yeah, half of them have been dogged by injury, and, and one of them was uh, a 60-game season. So uh, we have that to go on. But I think the idea is you can't really predict health, nor can you predict injury. You know, you can't predict right. it one way or the other. So you have got to, you do have to talk about the player that you see, the kind of hitter that you've seen evolve over those four years. Uh, I, I think the growth that we saw between the – end of the 2022 season and by the end of the first month of the 2023 season he looked like a totally different hitter and then he was that 
good version for the remainder of 2023, it's again, it's about consistency, making sure that you've learned those lessons and also be absolutely ready to adjust because I can guarantee you all the pitching coaches in the league have been studying film or film video of <laughs> see that's the thing it's i can't a, believe that i said i can't believe that i said it because that's one of my pet peeves is when per, the people who do this the most are our football coaches oh, obviously yeah. but they always say oh, i gotta go back and look at the film gotta go back and look at the film film not watching film it's been digital video for the last 25 years <laughs> boy i can't believe i said it but yeah, thank you for your stand-up bit <laughs> like i mean like i'm just saying why are you what's saying the deal film? there like i don't know like that you it's, Pat it's, Fitzgerald it's at Northwestern what, always used to say, oh, got to go watch the film, got to go watch the film. He has never watched film. Yeah, but I don't he's, think not, he's like, like 40 years term. old. It's a term. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think anybody's ever, like, I'm 45. We didn't watch film. We watched a video a video tape or digital uh, copy of the video right. tape. I'm the young one here. I don't give a shit. Use film. Who cares? No, it's, it's, I know what you mean. I, I know what, I agree with Vinny. It's it's not true. <laughs> film is a, is a specific descriptor, and now they're just using it as people use Kleenex as a tissue. Not the same thing. It's just odd that it's odd that like like Vince Lombardi era terminology has basically been eradicated except for that one thing, you know? It's just an odd thing to hold on to. Anyway, pitchers across baseball and pitching coaches across baseball have been watching moving pictures of Luis Robert Jr.'s uh, uh, swing all winter long. They're going to be ready for him come end of March and April it's on him to make sure that he's ready for what they're going to be throwing at him. And then Pine Tar Keyboard says exactly what I was thinking, too. You can live with all the Ks. If he becomes a, a K master, that's because he's trying to, you know, leave Earth. But the walk's got to go up. And then that becomes a thing where, okay, he will accept the walk. Now we need to be a little bit more careful to him because putting him on first with all that speed that he possesses presents a problem for our pitchers now. So, yes, if he increase, increases his walks, it becomes a more deadly hitter for him. But, yeah, I'll live with – I don't really care if somebody strikes out a lot, especially if they hit a bunch of home runs. Right. Again, I mean, he was – uh, I was about to say a seven war player. That's not true. Five. A five war player. Um, if he doesn't have the April where, and it, again, it's fine that he did, uh, had an OPS around what, like 666? Like, not a great uh, April right there. Had to turn it around. Um, Evan had an OPS of 905 in the last 117 games, uh, 26 walks, 139 strikeouts. You care you live with them yeah i mean uh, situational 330 on base i mean like, again like the, the team struggles with getting on base if he's like i don't know he's just really aggressive and good at it well like, and 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 you're right it it doesn't matter if luis robert jr strikes out a whole ton if he has the season luis robert jr had there are plenty of people on the white Sox who it does matter that they strike out a lot because they didn't have the type of season luis robert jr had you have to be able to get to first base or continue around it Luis Robert Jr. did that a whole ton last year most of his teammates did not and they didn't clutch too man that home run versus the Cubs I still think about that every day such a great home run it was just very pretty I, I it it like it was the uh thanks Cubs the the bat drop too like just the Turner swag back that the he all had Cub fans the, the the Danny Parkins looking Cub fan that was giving the middle finger I mean Nikki Nikki uh, two strikes did it the next Ugh. night. Uh, when we were there, oh, that hurt. Real quick, uh, it might again. It might be tough, and a lot would have to go right for Robert's career for him to reach 500 career home runs. Um, right now, Bill Melton, uh, 
it has more career home runs at the age of 26 than Luis Robert Jr. Uh, 98 for Belton Bill Melton uh, from 68 to 72. And that's like the top 200, like Derek Lee at 99 and Bill Melton at 98. And Luis Robert Jr. still like 20 away from those guys uh, at 74. So it's, it's a tough road for him. Uh, absolutely. I do think that next year will be a, another career year for him. StatCast projected that if he played in Atlanta, he would have 45 home runs. I don't know if that's because of the team or uh, the park factors, uh, but I think he, I think he gets to 45. I think, I think he has that he had, sort what, thir- of year. 38 last year? 38. Yeah. I think, I think you'd take away the, the bad April. And if he just had a 905 OPS for the entire season, I think he probably clears 45 homers. But maybe that's part of the thing. Like Jose Abreu's slow starts every year were just because, I don't know, he was just cold no, or something I, like it that. It seemed like no something one. flipped. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I don't oh, With Luis Robert, I think, after I think the there, was a, we, there was a moment. You think after the benching, yes, yeah. and that's what I, turned it on, and it's not, it's not going to turn off. He looked like a different player. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, it just seemed like they, they had more of a serious talk, and he understood it. And I think he probably had a lot more fun in the f- last 117 games than he did in the first 28 games. So, I mean, I, now he's got I don't Scott think many Boris. People now he's got Scott Sox. Boris in his ear saying, "Hey, you want another butterfly sanctuary? <laughs> you want to buy Florida? You, remember? <laughs> Here you go." Uh, Come with me, son. Yeah. So, I, I, just for the last in the next four years of his his contract, I'll say forty five homers, thirty nine homers in twenty twenty five. A step back, but maybe you know, hey, he walks a little bit more. Maybe he gets less opportunities to homer. You're just making this up. Absolutely. Uh, twenty twenty six, thirty one homers. Right. We're gonna we're gonna Gearing down. Right. Well, no, maybe maybe you deal with a couple injuries. Right. Maybe maybe it's gotcha. a struggle. But then it's contract year. Uh oh! I think he hits fifty-one at some point in a White Sox uniform. This is the and pro- it's not fifty because whenever you reach you know those numbers, like you look at the five hundred uh, career home run club, the guy, the last guy in it said uh, five oh four. I mean, really, it should be the five hundred and four home run club. It like, is, you know, no but one's at five hundred. You're talking about his last year. I know this is not part of the thing. Will that last year be in a White Sox uniform? I don't think they trade him. Depends on what happens. I don't think they trade him. I mean, your best chance to win will in the next four years includes Luis Robert Jr. That is true. I get your pessimism. Pessimism. Yes. I would assume that they would likely, since they know the player, be in on contract negotiations. Hey, if you want to say in like the Los Angeles Angels were in on Shohei Otani, sure, you can bring that pessimism. But I do think, again, they were willing to go there for a player that was never in their organization in Manny Machado. I think that, and Jerry Reinsdorf obviously has the money. Like I, I think that Robert would be a player that they would go over a certain threshold to sign. I just, don't, I just don't know where this team is going to be two years from now. And I think that has more to do with it than Luis Robert Jr. I, I think, but, but I think Luis Robert Jr. can keep being an MVP-level player if we get to two years from now and they're very much in the same position they are now. They shouldn't be because they'll have two years' worth of work put into that to, to getting out of where they are right now. But if, they're, if they get to two years from now and they're like, oh, boy, I don't know if we're going to be ready to compete another season and a half from now, Again, that would mean that they have done... Why am I being bombarded by fuzz? But they, it would mean that they haven't been able to achieve what they've wanted to achieve at the moment. But, hey, I don't think anybody was expecting two years ago 
from where we are right now, that, that we'd be talking about what are they going to be able to get for Dylan Cease. And the pressure is on because, again, your 87-year-old owner saying, you know, I want to turn this around as quick as possible. So if they're in the same place as they are now, two years from now, I still think that they're probably more likely to throw money at the problem to try to improve it rather than, you know, this grassroots movement. I, th- I think it, it's possible that they abandon ship and maybe just try to go for it. Because again, if you have an owner saying, oh, I got to do this. I mean, we think that he might sell the team at some point too before he passes away. Like, I, I think it's possible that if he wants to try to win another baseball championship that he throws money at it. I would do the same. And I'm sure Jerry's feeling the same way. But think about when Luis is going to be free from the White Sox contract. He's going to be 30 years old. And looking for... 10 to f- 10 to 5 to 10 years of a contract is Jerry willing to pay somebody into his 40s I know Jerry might not be here for the end of that and we know that Scott Boris going to have that man go to the free agency that's the only reason you sign with Scott Boris if he was still with his old agency I could see an extension because they did it before he even played a major league baseball game and he can be like hey man I'm coming from a downtrodden uh, Cuban home, $88 million is a lot of money. And me making the next money, 300, 400 million is a lot of money. I'll be fine. And I'm comfortable in Chicago, but you don't sign with Scott Boris just to do an extension. So he's going to be making a lot of money. And I think it's going to be outside the White Sox uh, parameters to re-sign him. So let's just enjoy the four years we got him for, or whatever years we got him for. As Vinny says, two years from now, if they're kind of this middling bottom feeder team, I would, I would 100% entertain a trade for Luis Robert because that gets you going like that. Yeah, immediately. Again, you have a. That's all you need. Like that gets you going again to what? Your another hundred losses? No, you can have three to four players that are on the precipice of playing. If we're seeing the three to four players that might give you five WAR, this guy's going to give you five WAR. I don't get. I don't get that argument. And that's so cheap. And that's the debate, right? Yeah, but but. But yeah, you get to spread so around cheap, the team. But, but it's like we if we're not going to be good until three years from now versus – but again, and they who get a, knows? We don't know where they're going to be in And they can have a bunch of defensive players like they want and have all play in the White Sox way. And, you know, maybe the the Orioles have been prospect-hugging those guys. Maybe Colton Kowser will be available by then. Maybe they'll get Heston Kerstad in two years from now and when they uh, let him go and stop ho- prospect-hugging. Uh, Pine Tar Keyboard saying, I'm a pessimist, but it might be a tough sell to trade their best hitter since Frank Thomas turning around and asking for a ton of stadium money. I'm, I'm with that. I don't know. I just – I don't see the point of, of trading him. If you are trying to – if – what's the last year of his contract, 2028? 2027. 2027? 4567. Trade deadline of 2027, they are, you know, fifth in the AL Central. Sure. Fine. Get rid of them. But I, I, don't, I don't see the point to, to, to trading them like Cease. Okay. No, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sorry. saying you're I'm wrong. Just, no, I, I know. No, I'm just. <laughs> let's transition. Uh, all right. Uh, so we didn't answer the question. Will he. Do it. I think if I'm I'm gonna be positive and say yes, he'll do it because the numbers say that it's not that far of a jump for him to go from his year 26 year to year 40 and hit 28 home runs a year. I'll say it comes very very close because I think the the point that was made earlier, oh, he's not David Ortiz, he doesn't have to just be DH, he's got to go play center field and all this. Well, he doesn't have to do that forever. No. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Why can't he uh, get to a point where he is just a, 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 a big, you know, power hitting DH? Uh, that position exists for a reason. I think of a guy like Miguel Cabrera, who oh, yeah. when he came up, he was the picture of athleticism, right? He was a skinny guy running around the outfield. I saw him play minor league ball at shortstop for the Cougars. I mean, and all, the, and then you know, halfway through his career, he's a guy who can barely move over there at first base, but he's still hitting bombs all over the place and still putting up Hall of Fame numbers by the time uh, you get to the end of it. So I, I don't see why uh, Luis Robert Jr. couldn't make a similar transition if needed. Right now, you'd think, oh, that's crazy because he's so good out there in center field, but. If we're talking 10 years from now, who, who knows what he could be, and a move away from center field could allow him to extend his career. Too. Yeah, no, I mean, one guy I wanted to bring up was was Judge, who's at 257, and, I mean, that's the guy that, you know, it it seems likely that he would make 500, or the 500 home run club, because, I mean, all he, he has hit to do is... 50 just, in a year, yeah. Right, uh, his 162-game <laughs> average is 50. Um, but that's the thing, is, like, so many seasons have been robbed because of injuries in the, in the field, and it's like... You can't really put him at DH because you're paying Stanton to be, be your DH. But, like, again, I, I don't know at what point Robert loses that athleticism. And, again, if, if he has an injury at some point too late, you know, that, that, that like, dreaded, like, 32-33 range, it, it could really just, you know, put a, put a dash to those hopes. So what was um, your answer then? I'll say no. Okay. I'll be a pessimist. Okay. Uh, anyways, want to tell people about comment? Always. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Our friends. I stop people on the street and tell them about comments. You shake them. You scream about uh, electric tomorrow. Uh, Vinny, our friends over at Comet are making it easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. It's something that we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. That's a great point, Sean. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. Oh, that's so true, Vinny. But what should business owners do? Great question, Sean. They should go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you, yes, you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. They're good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Herb, did I tell you to do your Midtown read? I did. You didn't, but I have it. Ready okay. Already. I mean, I could. I could always, you know, bring up Midtown's four Chicago and locations. Well, you would ha- like- first have to finish the ComEd read. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you say comed.com/clean? Sarah, great save and great question. Years. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations Sarah to come. Sarah has headphones on. That's why she can hear. You know what Vinny's doing in the rest of the read. But this has been a tough week. Let's. This. This. It's. It is freezing Tuesday. my brain. Yeah, it's fun. This has been a tough week. It's, it's Tuesday. It's been a tough year, man, already. <laughs> Lemon, it's Wednesday. Out. Lemon, it's Wednesday. As I said yesterday, head on over to midtown.com slash CHGO so you can follow along with me while I do this read. Midtown Athletic Club has four Chicagoland locations. One is Palatine, Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. And that Palatine Midtown has launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club. 
which will be complete in early 2024. And what Midtown is doing, too, for their Palatine, Bannockburn, and Willowbrook locations, they're offering no initiation fees this January. It is January 16th. So get on over to Midtown right here. There's a website I'm told you about, midtown.com slash CHGO, and see which one is closest to you and go in for a tour because there's something for everyone at Midtown. Whether you're a single person, a married person with children, whether you're looking for holistic wellness or people looking to make lifestyle changes, Midtown Chicago has the nicest fitness clubs that I've ever been to because they're super luxe locker rooms, wet and dry saunas with premium amenities, amazing indoor and outdoor hot tubs and pools, and a collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes. Whether you want to take cross-training, group exercises, boxing, cycling, yoga, hit classes, they have you all covered there at Midtown, but they have the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. That's what they're known for. Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis, pickleball, and paddleball tennis. USTA professional quality all the way. You're already there at midtown.com slash CHO unless you're driving. Do not drive and check the internet. I just want to make sure you know that. Head on over to midtown.com slash CHO and find out more and tour the Midtown Athletic Club that is nearest you now. Thank you, Herb, for the wonderful read, and thank you for being under toes. Uh, that was very nice of you to have that open and ready, uh, even though I didn't tell you that you were going to be doing that. All good. Um, and, Sarah, I got you the description about two minutes before the show started? Yeah. Actually, okay. I think it was a minute before the show started, so good on me. We have um, a lot of under toes. I was a minute late. Good. <laughs> Um, real quick, one thing that wasn't good. Uh, Scorpius Acton in the chat bringing up uh, really what a name, yeah, right? Uh, really never fails. Space comma at the backdrop, no white socks. You all Scrubs fans, of course, ignore it. I'm sorry, Scorpius. I did ignore it at first because I didn't know what the hell you were talking we about. We could have continued it's to ignore it, like also. when my dad yeah. is is texting me. What are Scrub fans? To, I don't get it. Have what, to. Uh, so he's mad that over your shoulder it says Cubs. And then that he can't see that down here, blocked by your chair, it says White Sox, 35th and Shields. Oh, no. So CHO Sports. Yeah. Well, actually, for Scorpius, we actually have to contact Eric right now uh, and redesign this entire backdrop because White Sox needs to be, uh, I I would say, where the loop is. I don't know what scrub fans are, but I don't want to be one of these things. As Scorpius says, it sounds like he's being very mean to us. With his... uh, Ridiculous. I could put in the effort and every show just get rid of every single Cubs thing in the background. I could do that. I don't care. Um, (laughs) Who's the guy that uh, did the uh, Fugazi record? Who's the Chicago producer? I don't know. I thought you might know that. No. Might know I mean, that. he's the music guy. Uh, Steve I Albini. I, I think I know who you're talking Steve about. Al- yes. Steve Albini. Yeah, I do recognize Thank that you, name. Thank you, Scorpius Acton, for chiming in with your Steve Albini Twitter profile. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's uh, talk about Don't Cease. Uh, so Justin's asking uh, about Cease and, you know, an extension for Cease. We just talked about Boris. It does not seem likely that there will be any extension until... Dylan Cease hits free agency, and it seems likely that Dylan Cease will be traded. Again, though, I, I don't think, like, you know, we've got Jared saying, I don't think Boris would do that, and maybe Jared has a, a, a direct line to Scott Boris's way of thinking that we do not, but I guess, you know, it's obviously actually Jared Boris. history mm-hmm. is, is on your side with that opinion, but I guess my point is that it doesn't, it doesn't really have as much to do with... I think the, the second half of that point, if you want to put that comment up there, Sarah, Jared's there. I don't think Boris would do that. I don't think it's up to the White Sox. Of course it's up to the White Sox. 
the White Sox could decide that they want to pay a gajillion dollars to Dylan Cease, and he'd say, "I'll where do I sign?" You know, and Scott Boris would say, "Where should you sign?" Yes. Like that makes sense. Now the thing is, though, you've got to wait for the market and all of that. I think the main thing right now is look at the moves that the White Sox are making. Look at the position the White Sox are in. Herb, you brought it up the other day. Sean, you uh, you know provided some uh, better clarity to it but i think the idea being that what the payroll as it sits right now has dropped a a, a large very large amount from where it was on opening day last year the moves that we've seen them make have almost entirely been very low cost moves short-term ones at that i think that if they wanted to sign dylan cease to some big long extension and wanted to pay him to do that they could very well do it they don't seem to be in a position as an organization to want to do that right now they're going they're throttling back on or they have to this point throttled back on payroll and uh you're seeing them try to maybe set up for a long longer term success at which case in order to get that talent into the organization, as we well know from when Rick Hahn did it seven years ago, you got to trade the guys at the top of the of the uh, 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 talent level on your own team in order to bring back that kind of talent back. Look at the guys who were the cornerstones for all of the uh, uh, that last rebuilding era. They were guys who were brought in with those kinds of trades because that's how they needed to influx the talent in. And I think the idea being that maybe Cease provides them if not the best opportunity, perhaps the only opportunity, considering they'd probably want very much want to hold on to Luis Robert Jr. for all the reasons that we went over in the first segment of the show. So I do think that they could if they wanted to. I don't think they are acting like they're in a position that they want to be doing that right now. Um, and you bring up the budget again right now. Uh, it was at, what, $180 million started last year, currently at one twenty four. Point five million uh, with our projected with our CHGO White Sox projected 26 man roster <laughs> with Alex Spees and Shane Drohan. This is going to be a fun team. Romy Gonzalez, Zach Remillard, Oscar Colas, Max Stassi, your bench. Zach Remillard is not on the team currently. He's not on the 40 man. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is projected. Um, oh, wow. Gavin Sheets is currently the right fielder. I mean, so it, that's true. It's true. Uh, that's very true. Sad, but true. Uh, real quick before we get into Cease, because obviously you're bringing up the extension. If they don't extend them, they're probably trading them. Uh, Baseball Prospectus put out their top 101 prospects. They do it a little bit differently over there. That's a good That's a good hook. I got to be honest. Like Baseball the, Prospectus, nicely done. It, it's a good bit. What's the first thing you did? Scroll to the bottom to see who was 101, probably? Oh, no. I, I had to make... <laughs> no, I, I, was, I typed in CHW and found all the White Sox. Um there's three. Spoiler alert. There's three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Colson Montgomery, what was... I, 11, I think. I thought I had the, the list up. Um, I guess I could just click the list. It was Montgomery, right Schultz, and... Caro? Caro. Caro. Uh, and then, uh, yes, I have this brought up. And then uh, Brian Ramos would have been in the 110s. And Christian Mayna uh, was around 130. Uh, Jared Seidler, uh, who uh, is the podcast host of... Baseball Perspectives, and uh, one of the persons that put together this list uh, said that Mena and Ramos, good po- prospects. Uh, so Honorable mentions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, five <laughs> top 150 <laughs> prospects, 151 prospects. Uh, but yeah, Montgomery at 11 is crazy. Uh, very exciting there. Uh, but what is also exciting is all the Orioles that are on the list. Uh, Jackson Holiday is the number one prospect uh, in baseball, according to Baseball Perspectives. Uh, and then a new name. We've brought up the... Kobe Mayos, the Heston Kerstads, the Colton Kausers. But at 13, Samuel Basalo uh, yeah. 
a catcher first baseman, uh, 19 years old, who apparently has uh, just incredible hit power uh, and is is getting a ton of rave from baseball prospectus. So maybe that's a name, too, that we should start considering uh, with the Orioles. But they have five uh, top 51 prospects. So Holiday 1, Basile 13, 50, uh, Mayo 15, Kirstead uh, 41, Kowser 51. Uh, and then they also have uh, Bradfield at 82. Um, so, again, it's what we talked about yesterday of baseball executives think that this team has the best farm system. So they should probably trade with this team uh, because it seems like they need a starting pitcher. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's a good idea, but it seems like that's the current plan is trade with the Orioles. It would be a good uh, plan if they trade with the Orioles. I don't think you can get a bad deal out of that. I think most fans and most people would be happy with it. We'll see. Um, All right, let's talk about Dylan. So, Dylan, over the past three years, uh, he has struck out 226 batters, Mm -hmm. 227 batters, Mm -hmm. and 214 batters. He is currently at 792 strikeouts, 1,000 minus 792. 208. 208. Yeah. I was getting there. Uh, (laughs) Do we expect Dylan to reach 1,000 strikeouts this year? Because it seems like, you know, hey, as long as he makes 33, 32 starts, he should. I think the selling point, or one of them, obviously, uh, in a a, a deal that would send Dylan C. somewhere else, the reason that you're hearing that the asking price is so high has been the durability has been the uh the fact that he has just started every game that he has been tasked with uh, with pitching over the last three seasons um it's been a lot of them he's racked up innings he's racked up strikeouts as you mentioned and again like i was just saying about luis robert jr saying you know our uh, thoughts maybe on how he could stay healthy very much colored by the fact that in half of his career he hasn't but that goes both ways, and I think our opinion on Dylan Cease and, and probably baseball at large's opinion on Dylan Cease about whether he can stay healthy, colored by the fact that he very much has. And uh, so, you know, you're not going to predict an injury for anybody, and he has not really given you a reason to do that. So why wouldn't you predict that he would go out and make close to that 30 start, if not that 30 start number again in 2024, um, and go ahead and, and reach similar strikeout totals, uh, I think, Sean, you're very, you've been very confident and very much predicting, and I'm sure there's plenty of other folks out there that feel the same way, that he is going to be much better than he was uh, in 2023. If that's the case, those strikeout numbers should not just replicate, but probably go up. Couldn't agree more. Like, that was his worst strikeout year in the last three, and he got 214. So I think that most of us think that he is going to bounce back from that terrible year. That's not the Dylan Cease. That's the exception. And even though it's not a terrible year because his tip was in the three sevens, he was a below average pitcher if you go by ERA+. And so a slight bounce back will have him still at 214. And we think that uh, 208 is the number, right, uh, for to get to 1,000. I think he easily hits that, as Vinny said, unless he gets injured, which we can't predict because the kid has been pretty much healthy his major league career. Yeah, and uh, knock on wood, obviously. Uh, the one thing that I do find interesting uh, is his K per nines have gone down yep. uh, since 2021, uh, 12.3, 11.1, and then 10.9. Obviously, it wasn't an issue in 2022 as he was second in Cy Young, uh, but we saw so much made about his slider, uh, so much made about being the most valuable pitch in baseball. Um, didn't really find that same uh, break in 2023, um, but also uh, pitcher list was bringing up uh, that Dylan might be getting some unwanted cut on his fastball. So, hey, again, 
hopefully my guy Brian Bannister can uh, can figure out uh, his his four seam uh, movement uh, and, and maybe straighten that out a bit. I don't know if Brian Bannister wants to have him pitch to more contact. That would be another reason why his strikeouts would go down. But you know, Brian Bannister wants to mismatch as many as any pitching person would want to do and want to. Um, elevate where Dylan ceases and not put him in a position where he's trying to be a different pitcher than he is. That would be the only other thing that I can think of that Dylan sees not getting the 208 strikeouts is just, he's pitching to more contact. He's not walking as many players because as uh, Chris Getz and Brian Bannister want to do, they want the defense behind them to fill the balls. That's why they got all the defensive people behind them. And so that would be the only other thing that I could say, like he just gets 196 because He's just pitching to more contact, and he's letting these people hit his slider that's on the outside corner of the uh, zone instead of in the left-handed batter's box. And so he's a little bit more uh, crisp with his slider instead of just you know trying to do the the breakaway pitch and send the guy back to the bench. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think if he's more crisp with the slider, it's just gonna miss, it's just gonna miss more bats than anything. But I got you. Uh, I. I th- I don't know. I mean, again, it's it's it kind of just feels weird to say like, oh, unless he gets injured. But unless he gets injured, honestly, I mean, it doesn't seem like his stuff's going to get any worse. I mean, in that interview, it seems like he's going to pitch over 160 innings. In that interview I was listening to the other day, he was working on he was Brian Bannister said that Dylan Cease was working on a splitter, just fooling around with the splitter. And if he learns another pitch. Like, it's unfair. Just, you know, go with the arsenal you got right now. Fastball. No, no, no. Slider. Curveball. I know a I mean, splitter should could be deadly for him, yes. but also, no, like to do that on a in an off season to just to learn a new pitch in an off season. It's not that hard. That'd be tough. He throws every day. He does. What's wrong with throwing these pitchers? A new pitch? These pitchers do this. I don't every off season. Yeah, all these guys do this. Yeah, all but the I don't want to. I don't want to have something that is working and alter it. I think that you keep on the track and going where he you're, just stops throwing his shitty changeup. That's all that happens. <laughs> Hey, man, if it works, it works. But a splitter is really hard to throw. Who on the White Sox throws one except for, what, Fetty threw one in the, the KBO? Uh, I don't even know if that was a splitter. It might have been. Um, Bring back Jose Contreras' but, fork ball. Yeah, right. Because he had uh, big fingers. I mean, that, that's, that's the whole thing ball. that uh, Bannister learned with uh, Kevin Gausman. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's found an easier way to, to throw the splitter rather than uh, Steve Stone's way to throw it. Um, I mean, that is the pitch du jour. The KBO and the Japanese pitchers are coming over with these splitters, and they're, they're disappearing. Um, real quick, to your point, when Cease was hitting uh, anything uh, low in the zone, uh, so if you're looking at the traditional, uh, what, three-by-three? Yeah, uh, strike zone. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, yeah three by right. three. three, by three. Um, the bottom of the zone, uh, inside to lefties, uh, they hit one twenty-five on uh, Cease's slider. Yep. Um, so, or sorry, so away from lefties, uh, one seventy-eight on sliders, uh, and then away to righties, uh, one twenty-five on sliders, and then anything outside of the zone, low in the zone, point oh six one and point one four five. So, I mean, again, it's. It's, it's even when you are hitting the pitch, it's not, you're not successful. You're, you're not, not scoring getting, it up. You're not, yeah, right, you're not getting good contact. Uh, so as long as he keeps it down. Um, all right. Uh, anything else with Cease? It feels weird not talking about trading his ass. It's okay to to have a day, and I mean we have talked about that today. That's I true. Mean, <laughs> there you go. I would love for Dylan Cease to be a White Sox. I want to see him still in a White Sox uniform. 
even though this season's going to be bad. I and do. That would be the. I think that would be the best um, thing that comes out of all of this because I think we're going to get a great season out of Dylan Cease, and the value is still going to be there if you need to trade him later on. I do feel like uh, he will be a, a player I follow post White oh, Sox career by just, far, just because he he is fun to watch and if he when he's on I mean he's just so dominant and I'm trying to think about when Chris Sale got traded I didn't really think that I would be like man I'm sad that we don't have Chris Sale anymore he was dominant that one year in um, Boston I think 2007 and then 2018 of course 2017 and 2018 when they won the World Series like but he had a decent career in Boston but I think like I was like we're getting these prospects back I appreciate what he did with the White Sox. I uh, appreciate he's over there with the Boston Red Sox. It's a new era for the White Sox. If Dylan Cease does the same, I would, as you would do, I'd be like, man, what could have been these last two years? I love seeing greatness, and I think Dylan Cease has a chance to be one of the top pitchers in baseball and stay there for a while. Hey, when you're trading him to Cody, keep 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 hyping that up. Maybe we can get, uh, you know, Cade Horton. Yeah, right. And get the uh, best finally. pitcher ever, apparently. <laughs> apparently. Cade and Horton. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll let you know about our friends over at Circus Sportsbook. Uh, do want to let you know uh, about the greatest sportsbook that now is in Illinois. Uh, they got tight money line splits, low hold models, and games will strive to be a minus 110 split on Circus Sports menu, unlike other sportsbooks, which may use a minus 115 or minus 120 split. You can have the world's largest sportsbook at your fingertips. Uh, and there are a ton of things to bet. Uh, we got the Blackhawks guys over there. They got the uh, Hawks and the Sharks later today. And it's a great game because, as Greg said, anyone can win. Someone has to win, I guess Woo. is how he put it. Um, you know? Do they? Oh, yeah. It's a shootout. Yeah, there's, there's no ties. No more ties. That's dumb. So someone has to win. Uh, Blackhawks at minus 138 to win tonight over under of five and a half over at Circus Sportsbook. Uh, they also got lines for the NFL playoffs this weekend. Texans versus Ravens. Ravens are nine point favorites. Packers and Niners. Niners are nine and a half point favorites. Bucks and Lions. Lions are six and a half point favorites. And the Chiefs and Bills. Bills are two and a half point favorites in Buffalo. So download the Circus Sports Illinois app at circusports.com slash Illinois Ash. Oh, wait. Circusports.com slash Illinois Dash app. That's circusports.com slash Illinois Dash app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537, text GMB833234, or visit areyoureallywinning.com. You can see right over my shoulder, Southpaw waving that classic orange White Sox flag. That... Bobblehead, of course, was donated to us by FOCO, along with what else? TA getting ghosted by a red line train. Uh, go ahead and show them some love now. You can go get bit, fitted out in the best sports gear around. They've got hoodies. They've got shoes. They've got signs. They've, of course, got bobbleheads, and they've got everything in between. Even when it is negative a billion outside, it's always baseball season. So grab yourself an Aloha shirt, a straw hat, a polo, maybe a bag set to get you ready for March 28th over at the rate. Uh, everything you need for a game. You've seen the set decorations. Now go show them some love. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below. And hey, for all non-presale items, go ahead and use that promo code CHGO10 for 10% off. Thank you, Vinny. Uh, You're welcome, Sean. Let's get into our final talking point. Um, this little like either or, uh, what do you make of this situation? Um, I was thinking, just because it's likely Colson Montgomery will become a top 10 prospect by uh, 2025, uh, just like Yohan Moncada. 
It's likely that he will make his major league debut at the age of 21, just like Yohan Moncada. And I think it's probably possible that he'll play third base. I think I, it seems more and more likely that he won't be a shortstop and, and will be uh, a third baseman. Uh, so like Yohan Moncada will move from his uh, natural position of second base. Uh, but even if you ask people in Cuba, uh, Yohan Moncada's natural position is, in, uh, is at third base. So mm-hmm. who knows? Uh, but question is, in their first full season, who will have a better year? Okay. Yohan Moncada's 2018, which was 149 which was games. Terrible. Yes. Yeah. Um, and first full White Sox year, right? No, first full year. Full uh, year in the Major Eight, eight yeah. games with Boston. And then, I mean, I guess if you want to do 2017, I mean, we probably should add this pre-show prep. Uh, That's fine. Pre-show. Uh, but he played 50, uh, 54 games okay. in 2017. Right. I didn't think it was a, a, enough of a, of a sample no. size. First so, full year, 2018. So, yeah. So That's when Lucas Leader was the worst pitcher in baseball. Worst pitcher in baseball. Yo, Mankato was pretty damn bad, too. Uh, led the league in strikeouts at uh, 217. Only 67 walks. Uh, had a batting average of th- uh, 235, mm. 315. A slugging percentage of 400. OPS of 714. OPS plus of 96. Did have 17 homers and 32 doubles, though. Um, he struck out. 217 times and his OPS plus was still 96. Mm-hmm. Walking. All right. Hitting home runs. Yeah, he did have a ton of walks that year. 67. I mean, yeah. I guess. I mean, that's his he had a second bunch of, He had a bunch of uh, called thirds. Yes. Like, he thought he knew the strike zone. Now, part's like, no, nah, you don't. Your oh. ass is out. Hey, I mean, he, he cut his K percent by what uh, that next year? I mean, that was. A lot. Like, Jose Abreu, like, told him to be more aggressive, man. And he was. And it worked. <laughs> and he was. He was crushing the ball. Man, 2019, Yohan. Goddamn. Uh, what could have been? 33.4% to 27.6%. That works. Um, so the question is what bad. now? Uh, who will have a better rookie year, a debut year? Uh, Colson Montgomery's 2025, we assume, or uh, Yohan Mankata's 2018. So can Colson be better than a 96 OPS plus? Because, I mean, the expectation is do whatever. I mean, 2025... They're going to play him. He's their basically, you know, biggest and brightest hope. Yeah. So he's going to get the opportunity yeah. to play 149 games, just like you Makata. I just feel like they are in similar positions, right? They are the, the, the cream of the crop when it comes to White Sox prospects, White Sox rebuild prospects. Um, I mean, like obviously Robert came a little bit later, but Mankata was the guy at one point. I think, no, it is really tough to hit in the major leagues. And, the fact that Yoan had some seasoning with the major leagues at Boston and had a, um, a chance to just be a, a minor leaguer that wasn't necessarily like, like we looked at Yoan Mankata to be good, but I don't think we looked at Yoan Mankata to be the savior. Colson Montgomery will have a lot of pressure on him because we know that 2024 is pretty much a rebuilding year. And while 25 should be a more of an upward mobility type of year, and he's part of that, and he should be the part of that where, hey, this guy's coming in. Look what he did at AAA. He's a top 10 prospect. He should be XXXX and X. He should be this good. And then that pressure in Chicago will probably crumble him. Probably a 90. I don't know if he's going to hit his that many home runs. 17 is a lot for a rookie to hit. And I don't know if he will do – outdo what Yohan Moncada. I hope he does because he seems like the bat first guy that we've been looking for and like the shortstop stuff is a little tough. Fielding's a little tough but if he can hit that will be in the major leagues and I think his second year will be the year that he like Yohan Moncada 
turns him from that guy that maybe he can't play to the guy like, man, that's an MVP candidate. I just wonder if maybe Colson fares a little better because you're not expecting the power numbers to be there in the way you maybe were with, with Yoan. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is it okay if he just goes and hits a bunch of singles as a rookie and, and has a better year in, in that he's not striking out a million times? Maybe he's uh, also walking a good deal. You know, maybe, maybe the batting average and the on-base are there. Maybe it's the slugging that isn't there, and maybe that looks not as good as what Yoan was able to do uh, in that season and especially in 2019. Uh, but if Colson is able to just go up there and kind of, you know, be that stereotypical number two hitter, something like that, you know, is that, I mean, I think maybe he does end up having a better year, even if it's maybe not a flashy one, we'll put it that way. Uh, it will be interesting too, just because Moncada is a switch hitter. So he, he had the ability to obviously always have the platoon advantage. Um, I wonder if Montgomery will struggle against left-handed pitching. Um, you know, you can look at what he's done so far and say he hasn't. Um, you can look at the Arizona Fall League All-Star game where he came in against the lefty and took him deep. Um, but again, I mean, that's minor league baseball. Uh, it, it will be interesting just to see, again, like there's so much hype and hope and expectation. That's all prospects are. But it's like, what will be the ways that he does struggle? Because there obviously are struggles for everyone. I guess if you're not Shohei Otani, um, surgery is his his struggle. Um, but it, it will be really interesting to, to watch him overcome all those obstacles because he can look like the cleanest prospect coming up. Uh, and then, you know, once you get punched in the mouth, uh, the old adage, uh, you know, it's, it's all about how you react. And those, um, and those struggles manifest themselves in different ways and in unexpected, unexpected areas. And also maybe they don't, maybe they can exist alongside success. I think back to Aloy Jimenez's rookie year when he was putting on a show with, with the amount of home runs that oh, he yeah. was hitting and, and some of, some of the ones he was in I still remember that when he blasted off Jordan Zimmerman off the, uh, stairs on the fan deck oh, in yes. center field. But I think that was Jordan Zimmerman, wasn't it? Or maybe it was uh, was the other Patrick nice. Corbin. Okay, was it him? What are you talking about? Uh, he hit some home run against the Nats that bounced on the uh, staircase oh, on the side of the fan. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think it was Corbin. I think it was Patrick Corbin too. Now that I think about <laughs> it. But anyway, he was doing that, and he was also just not hitting the way you thought he was going to hit. Right? We heard, kept hearing White Sox coaches say, "Yeah, but this guy can hit 300." If you know, like there, the expectations for him were so high. In, in, and and warranted with what he was doing in the minor leagues that he could both have some success in the power department and not have the success that still everybody thought was still to come for him. You know, maybe, maybe Colson Montgomery comes up and struggles in a certain category but has success in another one, you know. So, um, the it like you said, it's really hard to hit in the major leagues, but it's hard to do all the things you need to do to hit in the major leagues. And so um, to it, it is undoubtedly expected that somebody should have those struggles upon reaching this level for the first time. One advantage that Colson Montgomery might have when he comes up is that he's been with the same organization his whole career and not being traded. And also he's been, he's an American like that uh, change from Cuban life to going to whatever Boston's uh, minor leagues there are at, at and then going to the White Sox might have been tough for Yohan to adjust to, and eventually he got it. But being an American, understanding the language, understanding what the customs and uh, cultures are, that thing won't be on Colson Montgomery's mind. I'm sure it was on Yohan Mankata's mind because of, you know, 
it's a different, a difficult thing. It's, I think, understated, and people just say, hey, you just got to live through it. But, you know, we're changing countries and changing cultures and then struggling at the major leagues and not having your family there must be a little bit tough. But Colson Montgomery won't have any of that. He'll just be coming in and uh, enjoying just regular baseball instead of worrying about all the exterior things that Yohan might have to worry about. And I did want to check um – does you know Colson Montgomery struggle against lefties? Does he struggle against righties? He is baseball prospectus, you know, eleventh ranked prospect. So you assume not, right? Colson Montgomery versus right-handers, two seventy-five, four forty-four on base percentage, a slugging percentage of four eighty. That's an OPS of four twenty-three. No higher, OPS plus. Oh, uh, nine nine twenty-three. My bad. Um, Herb, I know you're a big fan of prices, right? Uh, is it higher or lower than nine twenty three? Oh, it's lower. It's got to be lower. It's got to be lower. It's mm, got to be context lower. clues. I'll say it's, it's got to be much lower than nine hundred in twenty three. In twenty three, yes, it's got to be. Lower. I, I'll say higher. It's got. You wouldn't be, be asking the question if it no, wasn't higher. There's no way. Vinny's got great context clues. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Reading comprehension, people. Let's go. In sixty nine, nice plate appearances. Colson Montgomery had thirteen walks. And eight strikeouts against left-handed pitching. Jesus Christ. His batting average was 327. Get out of here. His on-base percentage was 493. Fuck off. His slugging percentage was 500. No way. His OPS was 993. Pretty good. That's un- It's that's, pretty good. That's unbelievable. That's pretty, pretty good. 20 years old? Uh, 21. <sighs> yeah, 20, we're going to be 22 in uh, February 27th. Does he make the, does he make the major league team? Does he play second base? This year? Yeah. I think much. it's possible. I wouldn't say it's – let's put it this way. It's not impossible. It's not impossible he's on the opening day roster. I don't think he's going to be, but it's not impossible. Our talking point that we talked in circles until October when Chris Getz was like, he's not going to make the opening day roster. He uh, hasn't I feel said like he's not going to make the opening day roster. Okay. He said he said they don't – they are not putting the pressure on him to make the opening day roster. The expectation is not that he is going to be on the opening day roster for his development. If he shows up to Cactus League play and hits 400, I think you got to... 400 home runs or bad? I don't think he can hit 400 home runs in, in the amount of games there are in Cactus League play. But I think it is possible he could make the team out of camp. I don't think he will, but it is not impossible. There's no one blocking him. No one blocking right. him from playing second base, but also uh, he or does, shortstop. He does not. He does <laughs> so I'm not. Serious. He does not play the defense as they espouse to say right. in the off season. So he doesn't play defense well as yet in those two positions. I don't think he's played second base that much. But so I would think they would be going back on their word and also starting his clock way earlier than I would think they would want to. You know, get the cool draft pick though if he's good. Um, no, I, I I hear your point. Uh, that that makes sense. Um, yeah, they won't bring him up right. till they won't bring him up until he can do it all at a major league level. And, and if he can, if he hits four hundred, but is making errors all over the place, he's not going to be on the major league roster. And you're right that Paul DeYoung is not blocking him. That's no, that's not. all I was laughing. No, I know, no, I know, I'm, I know. Like, because Paul DeYoung can play other positions too. Yep, sure he can. The bench. 
<laughs> cut his ass. Um, all right, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. That is Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That is Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Eckerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. Thank you to everyone for hanging out and watching with us. If you are in the comments, uh, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button. Uh, we appreciate everyone uh, sticking around. And we got a uh, Bulls pre and post, it seems. Sarah is just grooving to the bed music, by just the post. way. She is over there like doing this. It's it's impressive. It's a good tune. Uh, we got uh, Bulls pre and post, I think, or at least Bulls post tonight. And we got... No, uh, neither. Neither. Just, just a regular show. ass show. Blackhawks play, though. You can watch that later. Goodbye. Y'all silly like the mayor. 